Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see Countless people have experienced life without ever knowing at least one parent, without knowing the length and number of all the branches and the depth of the roots of their family trees. For many of us, at best, it's a nagging question in the backs of our minds. At worst, a desperate need to know that can lead us to question our own identity, our own existence. These are the stories of some who found what they were looking for, some who were found, and some of those who never wanted to look or know. This is found. This is James' family's story. We're here with James Maxwell. James, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you. Now, let's just take a quick snapshot of, of today before we go all the way back into the past. What, what your life looks like now. You're, you're married. You have children. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're living in Ontario still. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 We're just, uh, uh, we live about an hour and a half north of Toronto, Canada. And uh, uh, nice little suburb. My wife, Jennifer, is a registered nurse. And uh, uh, we've been together for 26 years uh 24 years i don't you know husbands don't husbands get reminded um so we have uh uh we have a 21 year old son and an 18 year old son uh they're both doing well and going to their local colleges and uh uh actually the oldest just finished up and landed his first uh job so he's doing great uh youngest one is very artistic and going off to uh seneca for uh game design but wants to get into the animation and hopefully get connected with pixar one of those groups but uh uh myself at this time i'm uh, uh i've been involved with management i've been doing management uh i was in management for over 20 years in nonprofit work um primarily helping children and youth. I, th- I think there's a linkage with that in regards to my my past and those types of things. Uh, for the last few years, I've been uh, doing production management, working for a friend of mine, uh, insurance-based uh, uh, construction restoration company. Uh, at present, I'm just, uh, I'm off for a little bit right now, just a little bit of health concerns, trying to deal with some migraines, but uh, um, we're, uh, yeah, we're all healthy. We're doing fine. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, beautiful summer and great to be chatting with you. Absolutely. So 
And obviously, your your story's not finished. I mean, what, you said you're you're 52 years old. You could live another 52 years, for all we know. You could only be mm-hmm. halfway there. So there's there's plenty more story to write. But if we were to say this was this was the end of of you know that particular story in your life, it obviously has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, you know it's been good. It's uh, it's really uh, retrospective looking back over. Um, and I'll call them chapters, looking at chapters and how sort of pages turned um, to where we are today uh, It, uh, um, in regards to the relationships that, uh, that I was raised with, the relationships I've developed over time. And I think it's, it's, it's helped my wife and I really develop really good relationships with our boys and with those close to us. And, you know, family is such an important thing. Family is such a key thing. And, uh, um, a lot of respect goes out to my wife as she's quarterbacked a bunch of things over the years and is quite understanding. Um, as, uh, as am I, and we can see that empathy and that character in our boys, which is, we can't, uh, we can't ask for much more. So it's been great. Well, let's, let's start kind of kind of at the beginning you know that's probably the best place to start so you 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 were born to a pretty young mother who i think as you you mentioned had had was it six or seven children in an eight-year span and was a teenager when this started yeah so um uh, I don't remember much about it. I know when I was adopted, I was adopted at a year and a half. And, um, I recall uh, a bit of a, um, a vision, um, when I would lay in bed or I would dream, I would recall a bit of a vision where I was standing in a, a crib, uh, or playpen or something to that effect. And it was dark, uh, in the room and I couldn't see anyone, but I could hear, these voices around me, but I wasn't, it wasn't a, I wasn't a scared kid. I was a happy sort of content, um, kid, but it just seemed very busy and hectic around me, sort of in this dream that I had in my, um, early adolescence and, uh, rolling back to what I know now is, uh, my mother, Rachel, um, was, uh, had, seven kids between the ages of 16 and 24. Uh, the first five were in a common law relationship. And then uh, my sister, um, who's a year older than me, Michelle, and uh, myself, we were both, uh, uh, we were both conceived uh, by separate individuals. So um, it was a big undertaking. And this is the way that I understand the story as it's been told to me by mom. And as we recount with, uh, with my sisters and everything, it was a, it was a large undertaking for, uh, mom, obviously raising these kids alone. Uh, she did have a partner for the first five. And then from there, uh, I can only imagine a 24 year old, 23, 24, trying to raise, have seven kids and a bit of a one bedroom, type um setting um uh we've uh, my oldest brother tom and uh and my sister michelle and i he was here a number of years ago visiting and we went and drove by the small little apartment that they were raised in so quite an undertaking uh um for her i you know i uh, i'm empathetic so i just only imagine what was going through her mind and through her heart and through her body, all that type of stuff, a lot of stress. So, so she, she made a really tough decision to give all 
um, seven kids up for adoption. Um, she called CAS and said that she just couldn't do it. So, um, and again, this is the story that's been relayed to me. Um, me being the youngest and still um, needing some care from her, the story is that she she kept me for a couple of weeks, and then finally the decision was to uh, to put me uh, to put me up for adoption with the others, and that's with the Children's Aid Services in Ontario. So all seven kids were put up for adoption. Um, it was a blessing about six months later that she was able to get the three oldest back uh, and raise them, and then the four youngest went into care, none of them in the same homes. So uh, the only picture I have of myself uh, as a baby is at uh, one year old sitting on the couch at CAS the day that uh, uh, she was giving me up for adoption. And within uh, six to eight months, uh, I was adopted by a very lovely and caring family in um, cottage country in Ontario and was raised in a small town called Bancroft and um, had an older brother who was also adopted, but then two older biological sisters by uh, by my parents. And so that's sort of the foundation of of where things started. When you say biological parents, so you're the family that you grew up with, they adopted yourself and a brother and they also had two biological children of their own? Yeah, so they had two there was two older sisters that were uh were born and again, if understanding the story correctly from my sisters and my mom, uh my mom was in a, a pretty terrible car accident when she was pregnant with our second sister so there wasn't the the ability at the time um it wasn't in their best interest to have more children uh to conceive more children uh but um it, it was interesting uh, uh chatting it through and i, I want to make sure that this is accurate but this is the way that it was explained to me there was a um there was an intentional direction, if that's the right way to say it, by her family physician um, to my mother and my dad to adopt, to consider adoption because that would provide mom the nurturing thing and would break a level of depression that she was dealing with post this traumatic car accident. So they adopted my brother, Greg, who's not from the, the same family. He's from a different family. And then they adopted myself just to sort of uh, make it two and two in the battlefield for the kids. So, uh, um, yeah, so that's, that's where that sort of landed. Um, and it was, uh, it was good. It was good. So, so right off, right off the bat there, really, it was a mutually beneficial, which I, I mean, I, I guess it's probably a situation often in adoption, but really she needed you as much as you needed her. Now we're talking about my um, uh, my adoptive mother. Yeah, there was, uh, I, I believe, uh, um, a very there was a deep connection. You know, we we recall now as we look back at kids, at um, um, and respectfully, uh, respectfully, the the resources that we have now were not available then, especially from the mental health side of it. So mom was, uh, when I say mom, I'm referring to my adoptive mother. If I say my mare, um, I'll refer to Rachel because she, uh, my biological mother, because she, she does have a French, she, she is French, um, comes from a French background. Um, so mom, uh, I think mom just really struggled, uh, with, uh, uh, with depression. And, uh, uh, I think that it was a shining light on, uh, um, 
for my brother Greg and myself to come into that home. Uh, I kept her busy. <laughs> I was a very, very active, uh, very active kid. And uh, I often said, as I got in my teens, it felt like I was a square peg in a round, trying to be fit into a round hole, which is, which is not, not unique to my situation. I believe there's a lot of adoption situations where it feels uh, feels that way, but uh, my energies were just a little bit different uh, than the others. But that being said, uh, we had uh, there was some great, if I can use the term, chemistry uh, within the home. Uh, Dad was a hard worker. My brother and I, and my sisters, for that, we all learned really good work ethic. And uh, mom, there was a there was a deep relationship there with uh, with mom and. Uh, I could see it in my brothers and especially my uh, my sisters and so on. So, you know, it it, it was to your point. It, it was very um, it was very uh, self um, mutually fulfilling. I guess is maybe the for 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 all of us. So it was. Um, it, it felt like there was a. It honestly, it felt like there was a. Uh, um, there was something missing. Like it, it obviously felt there was something missing in regards to the connections. Uh, but that being said, uh, very loving, very Christian uh, values, good values, good moral compasses, all those types of things. Uh, we were raised under that uh, under that umbrella, and it's it's something I'm very um, proud of and and uh, happy. You know, obviously, you know for any individuals that have faith that are listening, God had his, God has hand, even to this day, God has had his hand sort of weaving this uh, basket case together <laughs> for lack of better terms. So I think the further we get into the story, the more, the more evident that that becomes. <laughs> uh, so, so do you, uh, I mean, are, are your adoptive parents, they're still alive today, right? No, unfortunately, mom, uh, mom passed away, uh, about oh, seven years ago and, uh, uh, my dad passed away last summer. So, um, unfortunately, the, now they were older too. Like, uh, um, mom would have been in her, f- almost in her forties, I think, when they adopted us. So they were, um, they were a little bit older. So, uh, um, that being said, yeah, they, they've unfortunately both passed, but, uh, uh, passing is difficult, but I think the, the confidence in our faith and, um, um, knowing, uh, knowing where they're at and also our ability to be together as a, as an entire family with both of them during their passing, um, just as a testament of, of the foundation that they set. So. And you're still closing it with, with the other siblings from that household, I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's, uh, it's interesting. So I've got two older sisters, uh, Carolyn and Eleanor, who are a year apart. And there's, then there's about a five year difference between, uh, about four year difference between, uh, Eleanor and Greg. I think that's about right. Three and a half to four years. And then there's Greg and myself who are a year apart. So, um, really good relationships, good relationships growing up. We still continue to have good relationships. It was interesting. Uh, growing up because my sister Carolyn, the oldest, and myself seemed to seem to connect, and then my brother Greg and Eleanor seemed to connect just on different levels. And uh, so, anytime you uh, uh, you know we're jumping into things, it seemed like we paired up against each other. But that being you know normal family stuff, but uh, um, it was 
it was a it it's been a it's it's hard when you lose parents, especially those that are your caregivers. Uh, it was a real privilege to um, be around both mums and dads' beds with with my siblings, and there's never ever felt a disconnect. I've never ever thought that I wasn't a Maxwell, which I which I got the family I got adopted into. So um, that's that's great, and I I, I honestly. Uh, meeting some of my other siblings that were put up for adoption, I know that's not everyone's story. Um, it's, you know, there can be difficult situations out there. So I really feel blessed as, as I know the story in a deeper context. So. so it was your, your brother, I think you said Greg, it was your brother Greg that um, had initially contacted the agency looking for some information, some health information when they were having their first child. And that's kind of what, what started the domino effect for you of, yeah. of finding? Yeah. So years, years later I was in uh, university uh, and it was, uh, it was my brother, Greg's wife and him that, uh, that reached out to uh, uh, the children's aid service to try to find medical history on, on uh, my brother, Greg, they were in the midst of having their first child and uh, um uh, they just want to know what the background was, what to be prepared for, so on and so forth. So, uh, it, with the privacy acts and, you know, I'm, I'm being in Canada, I'm sure it's, f- uh, similar in the States to a certain degree, but you, you can't really call an agency of any sorts and get the information on people. Um, so the irony around that, uh, um, that meeting because I would have never looked, I would have never looked for my biological family. I considered my family, my family. It wasn't really an interest. My older sister, Carolyn teased me and said that my dad was Johnny Carson on TV. Cause my ears stuck out, you know, like that was the closest that we ever really sort of got into any conversation. So it was, uh, it was a bit of a, um, it wasn't a, a um, it wasn't something I was, I was striving to do later on in life. I wasn't married at the time I was going to university, so it wasn't a priority. My, my brother, Greg, I remember growing up, my brother, Greg always sort of had that sort of, well, I'm going to, when things got tough, I'm going to go to my, my real family, my, right. So we sort of had two different experiences and, and that doesn't, I don't think that drove there desires to find out the medical history that was you know that was very intentional when you're having kids uh but even within our own home growing up there was it felt like there was two different lens in regards to the adoption experience which is again an interesting perspective so his wife was looking to find medical history at um uh at cas uh in uh, uh in ontario cas services um and getting back to the irony of privacy today at that time they didn't know any information on greg's adoption or at least a connection to um any siblings or or um they weren't they weren't able to provide any information but just in with my sister-in-law with dialogue with someone at the office uh, um you know almost word for for word well do you know a james maxwell in bancroft because somebody's looking for him so it was just sort of ironic that that conversation came up, especially when you're looking at confidential files and some of those different types of things. And I don't, you know, I 
no hard feelings at all because it's it's of the experience that was ahead of me. So my sister-in-law at the time in the small town that we were raised, uh, there were a few Max. So there, there was actually three James Maxwells in the town, you know, of about 3000 people, which is ironic in itself. But at the end of the day, as the conversation ensued, she said, well, I think that's my brother-in-law. So my, uh, my adoptive or sorry, my biological sister, Michelle, who, um, I believe at some point you're going to have on, on the show or, or, or she's going to provide some input to this. Um, my sister, Michelle, uh, was the one that was searching for me. So, um, again, in university, it just sort of caught me off guard. Um, the process from there, CAS, um, CAS, uh, uh, there was some dialogue back and forth and I had to do some non-identifying information basic about myself that didn't provide location or really personal details or so on and so forth. It's not like Facebook now. You can just, you know, ghost people or whatever the, uh, whatever the right term is. So there was about six months of this sort of dialogue back and forth. And from what I understood, it was happening on that side and it was happening on my side. Um, so in the context of one night uh, while in university, the green light was given from CAS and um, I received a call from, you know, it, the evening went sort of like I received a call from one sister and then a, a brother and then a, a mother and then another, another sister and then another. So it was just this sort of onslaught of, of um positive emotion like positive emotion but it was just this onslaught of new people new players in the game new people in my life and uh so that was it was it was very interesting in the beginning but it did honestly come a little bit overwhelming at at certain points and it has become overwhelming at certain points along the way but uh um that's really that's really what got the ball rolling that that moment that you just described, you know, for for really, I, I would say anyone in our situation, that's kind of that's that's the memorable moment, you know, that you just mm-hmm. described when it when it finally happened and you finally talked to those people for the first time, and it's kind of you're realizing you've connected to to people that you may have not ever even thought about before. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting for sure. Yeah, and it, it extends from there too. When I when I finally did meet uh, uh, my birth mom a few years later, so a little while later, so that that whole feeling of again, I mentioned the square peg in the round hole, or whatever the case is, it felt like the whole like in conversation alone, it felt like I was talking to someone that sort of understood my. Uh, and not not that my not that my family didn't that I was growing up with, but it just seemed like there's just a, a bit of a deeper connection, um, and they could understand sort of the dialect and the tone and my humor and get me and I got them a little bit uh, right out of the gate. So it's really really interesting for anyone that's done this. I, I you know I would hope they would find similar situations, the mannerisms, all those different types of things. It's it's really quite quite crazy. So. Definitely. That, that's, that's, the, that's the interesting thing about it as I've gone through this process is looking at, uh, looking at uh, um, the mannerisms and some of the personality. It, 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 you know, where I've always been a bit of a jokester. And so when you get, 
when you get my biological siblings together, everyone's trying to joke each other. Even even some of that type of stuff, where uh, there are a bunch of characters, but uh, it's really quite uh, quite interesting. I um uh so going back going back as well, I'll, I'll just interject. I know you you haven't asked as, as of yet, but I'll, I will interject in regards to my biological father. Uh, the component that was there. So um, uh, I was uh, I was informed that he was with uh, Canadian forces, which would be similar with Air Forces. Uh, the Canadian forces at a base uh, was married and had two children already when when I was conceived. Um, so uh, he he stepped out for a bit, if if you you know. Um, uh, but that's fine. Like, you know, it's, it's not the first time it happened, not the last no, time. It happens. So, yeah. So, um, uh, I, you know, I was, uh, originally I was, I was told or I was led to believe that, uh, that he, um, he had expressed an interest about adopting me, um, not, you know, coming on later on, which we'll get down, down to this part later on. I'm not hundred percent convinced that that was the case just based on what I've learned over the course of the last year. But, uh, but that being said, um, you know, um, it's nice to know that connection and then, uh, intertwine that, uh, later on as you start meeting people and, and personalities and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, uh that's sort of the, the beginnings of my biological father. Um, and at some point I, we'll, I guess we'll chat about sort of following the process where that sort of ended up today. So, yeah. Well, as of today, speaking of that, we can talk about that right now. As of today, you, you haven't, you still haven't met him or even spoken to him. Is that right? No. So no. So when I, um, and again, after meeting mom, and so I've got six older brothers and sisters with mom, and so, um, and I wasn't married at the time. I got married in 1998, and my wife and I, uh, starting our family, uh, we sort of did the same thing. But I, I did, I took it from a different, uh, different um, angle. I got in touch with uh, Canadian Forces um, in Ottawa, our capital, and uh, sent them a letter to say that there was uh, a gentleman by the name of James Glover that was in the service. Um, and I'm trying to contact him, not trying to interfere uh, in any way other than find out medical information uh, as I'm expecting. So very similar to the context of what my sister-in-law uh, did. Uh, she went through the adoption agency. I just thought I would go straight to um, uh, the uh, um, the services. There was something that was interesting and intriguing about, oh, did I have a dad in the army? And did he, uh, you know, uh, did he fly jets? Did he, you know, because it was an Air Force, uh, an, Air, uh, an Air Force base, um, some of that different type of stuff. So there was something intriguing about that. Uh, um, so to make the long story short, I sent a letter and they sent information back to me and everything was by snail mail at the time. There was no email. So all of this took a little while, but they sent a letter back to me and they said, uh, basically, and I still have the documents that they identified the individual and he's willing to receive correspondence from me. And so I did, um, in my best 
way possible, a non-identifying letter of some sort, but just basically, hi, I believe I'm your son, so on and so forth, and sent that off. And then a letter came back and said, it's been received. It's up to that individual to um, uh, to contact you. And I never heard anything at the time. So um, jumping forward to today, um, I've I've met, and we've all been together, my seven brothers my six brothers and sisters and my mom uh, on my uh, maternal side. Um, similar to Ancestry.com, I did the 23andMe. Uh, I was encouraged to do that by someone that I know. And so I did the 23andMe uh, in uh, um, 2017, I think, 2000, late 2017, I think. And when you do it, it's a, I, I don't know if Ancestry.com is a DNA uh, type thing, but uh, so this was a DNA well. And all these things pop up on this, you know, family chart. And so it's pretty interesting and you're, you know, uh, individuals 12th removed. And so you're clicking and, you know, it's, it's sort of fun. Um, there was nothing on the paternal side. Nobody was coming up on the paternal side. And then as I was looking at the paternal side, it would have been um, first, like fifth, sixth cousin way out there, whatever the case is. Um, so I lost interest in it. I just sort of set the thing off and said, well, you know, similar to yourself, I'm, I'm good. I'm content. Uh, 2017, I had a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old, uh, 16, 17, and uh, my wife, and everything was going well. And I thought, hey, they don't have, uh, you know, all the all the arms are the right <laughs> length, all the years and you know, all that type of stuff, no health concerns or whatever the case is. So, um, I carried on. So, uh, fast forward, uh, fast forward to, uh, 2020, uh, I jumped back on it again, just to see where, where things were at. Um, and I, I did notice that there was a couple, a uh, couple more individuals on the paternal side. Um, as I, uh, as I looked at it, I sent a few people a note, um, and then nothing, like nothing really came of it. All of a sudden, eight months ago, I received an, uh, the email link through 23andMe, um, from a kid, uh, in the, I say kid, someone in their thirties saying, Hey, it looks like we're the closest relative or match or whatever on this thing. From there, <clears throat> I sent them some information back, and it was just sort of wasn't very it wasn't cryptic, but I didn't divulge a ton of stuff. Similar to your, a little bit similar to your story, uh, I think that's my, um, I think that's my uncle, <laughs> and then um, this individual contacted me, connected me uh, with who is now my. Um, half sister, biological sister, well, biological sister, uh, which subsequently connected me with my another brother. Um, as I shared this story that I had heard originally about my father being married and having his wife and then two kids, all of that lined up. So at this point now, um, I've got uh, 11 older brothers and sisters. <laughs> Um, and I have it all mapped out. I've mapped it out. It was something like, there's like 63 relative, like I've got 63 connections with the babies and the, the cousin, like the, 
uh, not extending not extending the uh, um, uh, too far too far out. Eleven, eleven brothers and sisters, eleven brother and sisters in laws, kids, all that type of stuff. So that's sort of where things are at today. I do know where my birth father is. My uh, paternal sister reached out to him and told him about finding me. Finding me was a shock to my sister and to my brother. They were not aware um, uh, of me. They were uh, convinced uh, that at some point in time, someone like me might pop up <laughs> based on what they knew. Uh, their, uh, my dad and uh, their mother had split at some point in time and had moved in different directions. And so, uh, so I found him. I, 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 uh, when my sister mentioned it to him, he, he, uh, uh, from what she had said was, uh, who, what, (laughs) you know, like, like you're sort of caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Um, so, but then later on, you know, I'd welcomed and, uh, for me to get in touch with them or whatever the case is. So I'm just sort of navigating, I'm navigating that, that side of it um, right now, just to see where that, where that lands. Uh, there's a lot of emotion when a child meets a parent and then siblings and then extended family and all that type of stuff. You, you're, uh, you have to own part of it, you know, and that was, that's, um, uh, you got to be, you got to, I, I have a, a, a child myself of, um, from Saskatchewan who was raised by his, his mother and so on. And we've just reconnected over, um, uh, over the last number of years and have developed a good relationship. Um, so just the ownership of that, that type of thing. I also, I'm also led to believe that he has early stages of dementia. So, um, selfishly, uh, you want to make, if you're going to commit and invest, you want to make sure that the commitment and the investment's equal. So I'm just sort of, it's a, it's a tough little spot. That one piece is a tough little spot. I've had great conversations and been welcomed in by my brother and sister on my paternal side. So unless, uh, I think my mom, I think I got everyone on my mom's side, unless something, somebody else pops up on dad's side. Um, and I know my mom and dad that I were raised with, they're done. So I should be, should be it. (laughs) I should have, (laughs) I should have all the Christmas cards laid out pretty easily, but, uh, no more surprises than the 63 that you already have. Yeah. 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 So, well, as, as far as, as far as meeting, your father that's so that's i mean that's that's an ongoing thing that's that's potential but not guaranteed at this point well i definitely think i definitely think it'll be in the in the cars uh respectfully making sure that you know i make that decision uh prior to uh his passing uh he is uh i believe he's in his 80s now um so I need to be intentional. I think it might be unfair in the same perspective. Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what his interest is coming back the other way. So gauging that, um, that side of it. So, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just the emotional part of it. And it's, it's the mental, it's a mental health and security part of it, right? This is, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. 
it's a lot for adopted kids to be raised in a very positive environment, but feeling like you're um, like you just don't fit. Uh, right. And then it's so that that can be stressful, but it can also be equal as equally as stressful when you do fit. But there's a natural disconnect there because of um, because of the distance. You you weren't raised together. Some of that type of stuff. So your experiences. Um, I can draw on experiences with uh, with my brothers and sisters that I were I was raised with, and let those sort of be the platform for our relationship. Sometimes it's a little bit tricky when you meet people. Meeting my sister and my brother has been great on my paternal side. Um, but now we're in the situation that we've got to create something that's ours collectively for um, for additional substance. Not that there isn't substance there. I hope this makes sense. Like it's, yeah, it makes perfect sense. There's, yeah. there's not a, there's not a background. So you're creating that background right now in real time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, it's, um, it's working, uh, it's working through the emotion connected, uh, connected to that. And, and what does that look like for myself? What does that look like for my wife, uh, for the kids, all that different type of stuff. And so it's, uh, it's interesting. There, there's there's lots, lots about mental health. There's lots about uh, um, uh, level uh, feeling a sense of abandonment. There's a lot of those types of things that can be real, uh, real struggles. And uh, I know for myself personally, I went off the rails on a few occasions. Primarily, you know, feeling like I didn't uh, uh, didn't quite fit and didn't have a connection, and my self worth was off, and so on and so forth. And uh, I, I feel bad for you know. I I would hope you know you're going to have listeners who may have been in the exact same position position or have loved ones that are in that position that haven't made it back, you know, they're, they're still living in, in that turmoil of self-worth and, and, and feeling abandoned and all those different types of things. And so, as I mentioned to you, when we were chatting a bit prior to our time today, um, I would hope if anything, you know, part of this conversation might encourage and empower people to, to, uh, to work through some of those types of things, because, uh, we're all individuals like our, our, our pages are being written and our books are being written for ourselves. And it's uh, the irony that I, f- I felt growing up was that I always felt like I needed other, other people to help me turn the pages or other people to help me write the book and all that type of stuff. As much as I've got all these individuals and all these connections, I feel one of the greatest things that's, that's grown with me is my independence um, and my self-worth and my self-care. Uh, um after all of this is said and done. So um, anyways, I, I won't, I won't take us too far off track, but I think that's an important, I think that's an important piece the, the gaining that you would have received from even watching your grandma that you never knew watch you and just have those types of conversation ties into that self-worth, that self-confidence people have, have maybe haven't been privileged, but um, it took you, it took me uh, the courage to step out of our comfort zone and walk towards that light that was shining. Right. And, and, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and be present with those individuals that we don't know. We don't, I don't, I don't know these people. 
but right. there's a symmetry, there's a connection, there's an emotional uh, thing that's very uh, in, in the in faith. It can be very related to like when you're in the midst of of uh, fellowship with with people that believe the same thing that you do you know like just that sort of sunday morning everyone's and then you we go our separate ways and uh, anyways it's just interesting i'm working through all of this uh type of stuff i'd love to get it down on paper or you know i'm even encouraged by doing this podcast with you because i believe there's we need positive messages i think there's some people that are out there that are just lost and don't feel connected and so on and so forth because of decisions that other people make have made and uh man uh, yeah you're you're 100 percent right and that's that's a big part of what i would you know like to eventually hope to to achieve with this I, these are stories that that need told and it's if anything just just to, to show just how many of us are out here like this it's it's almost staggering if you were to realize the amount of people that have similar stories and and even beyond and wilder than what we're talking about you know oh, it, it for shows sure. it's it's multi it shows m- multiple layers of of different of different things some of some of them I, I would say societal ills to some degree other things just just sort of normal things that that happen but it's I, I guess that that is what you just described is one of the bigger things that I that I would hope to achieve from this and the the people that that are in that situation and and do feel that internal turmoil and abandonment and maybe feelings of worthlessness because you know my parent or parents or entire family never wanted me and were never around never looked for me or maybe that's what they think in their mind yeah um you know just helping those people get to a point where they where they work through that and understand their own personal value and that it it isn't actually tied to the people that you came for because unfortunately there are there are people in the world that maybe aren't necessarily good people and don't necessarily do good things and they have children and mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know that I would say my father necessarily fit into the category of a not a good person you know I wouldn't I wouldn't put it like that but I I guess in my case, I never got the chance to ask him a couple of the questions that I wanted to, to, to clarify a few things. And I, I know that on his deathbed, he never, he still never mentioned me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a thing that none of us quite understand. It's still a bit baffling to everyone, you know, to not even have said anything to his, to his daughter. Cause I, I have a, a sister through him who's about 10 years younger, but And and it goes beyond just, you know, you and I as well. It's I, I want to explore the impact on the other people involved here, you know, and the, the other people who are involved but never had anything to do with it, such as my sister and brother and your your many siblings. You know, they they weren't responsible for any of this. And, yeah. you know, some of the emotions that they feel that come from this, they weren't responsible for it's something that was just sort of thrown on everyone mm-hmm. and something that you were literally born into and never had a choice in the matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the interesting, um, the interesting part of that is, um, is if I, um, my sister's 
my sisters that were put up for adoption, I believe they all had varying experiences as, as did, as did the ones that were raised by mom. And, um, I didn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough go, right? It was a bit of a, it was a bit of a challenge. Um, I've come to the point of saying, uh, of thinking if I was in that position, I don't know if, how different it would be. <laughs> uh, you know, you, 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 somebody, somebody could easily stop and say, well, quit having kids. And someone could easily stop and say, well, you know, you're abandoning, you're abandoning them. Um, all of those different types of things. Um, but, um, man, uh, and 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 maybe I maybe I maybe I dig too deep and I think too much about the individual side of it, which is part of that is part of my uh, you know the psychology of it or whatever the case is. But what was my mom going through at that time, right? And so putting that through that lens and that sort of that understanding how tough that was, like it's it, it would be tough to have seven kids. And have somebody come in and say, "Hey, will you please take them? I can't care for them." Like that's that that's a that's that's tough, right? And so I, my empathy towards towards mom is greater. Do I? Uh, did it have a, an impact on me? Sure, I felt abandoned. I felt disconnected. There was a whole pile of different things going on there that affected me. Maybe continue to affect me. Um, uh, but if we take off, if we take off that selfish, individual me side of it, there's lots of times that we can. There's a lot of cases where we can stop and sit there and say, "Well, I don't know if I would do anything different, right?" And that sort of lessens. There's the ability to lessen the sting. Not that you didn't get bit, but it lessens. For me, anyways, it lessens the sting, and I think that's the type of thing as I think about. First, if for some that are out there if, that that could be struggling or whatever the case is, um, uh, is it is pulling back the veils and maybe looking to see what other people have gone through and what they've done and so on. And again, my story is different than your story. If you, you know, the, they weren't really in a relationship. It was it was it was on the side for lack of better terms. Um, so that's totally different than yours. So it's, so maybe it's a little bit easier for me to say that, but I'm not even bringing dad into the equation. He was a contributor. <laughs> um, and that was his role at the time. And then, and then he went on his way. That probably plays a little factor maybe into my, issues I have right now with connecting with him, because if he was more receptive or, whatever the case is, he didn't tell anyone else in the family about it. And that, that gave me a confusing story. And possibly my mother at the beginning told me that, told me that they wanted to adopt me, maybe to lessen the sting, which is fine. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd do anything different. <laughs> so as you, as you start to unveil it and pull the young in back and look at, look at some of this, some of this stuff, it is, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's, um, we can get through it. We we can get through it. There's lessons to be learned. There's uh, if we take the positives or out of it and set the negatives to the side, um, set the sting to the side. It's it it can it, it's it's empowering 
um, and it's encouraging and it, it, it has really provided me a lens to be able to help my, my boys, um, be raised into solid men. And also through my work that I've done with children and youth is to really understand their story a bit better and uh, be able to provide them a unique type of service instead of just a service. So, um, getting to that point is difficult. Getting that raw emotion that you just expressed there that your dad never mentioned your name on his deathbed. That's real. That is nobody, nobody can fake that. Nobody can lessen that pain. I've got some of that type of stuff too. Putting that on the shelf for those days that we need to think about it and looking at some of the other stuff. Um, you know, that's, that's, I believe that's where the healing, healing comes in and plays a, uh, plays its role. So. You're right. So, you, you in the case, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I don't though. I, I don't, and I, I, I love your perspective. It's obvious that, you know, you've spent a lot of time, you know, really years of your life analyzing the situation and and self analyzing and putting yourself in in other people's positions to have a a clearer understanding of certain things. And that's, I mean, that's, I I guess that in in and of itself is part of the healing. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this, if and when you do meet your father, what will you ask him? Mm. Um, That's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great question, and and that's maybe even ties into part of my reservations because I really, I'm not sure what I would ask him. Um, uh, I've seen a few pictures. Um, I'd probably inquire as to whether, like, do you remember me? Um, um, uh, maybe, maybe dig a little bit into that side of it, but it's, again, it's a tough one. It's, it's really, I think it's really tough. And I think that ties into my reservations of what, what am I, what am I going to say? Like, what, what is, what's the conversation going to be? What is, what's the intent of the relationship? Um, again, I've, I've mentioned that I have a, uh, uh, a child, a previous child. Um, and, I, I want to be intentional in that relationship. Um, uh, having the conversation with my youngest son uh, yesterday is, um, uh, and, you know, and I'm saying this very respectfully of, of uh, Braden, my, uh, my oldest uh, child that we didn't raise. Um, he's, he's a, he's like a guest to our house. Like he's, 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 he's coming in um coming into our environment, we need to embrace him the same that we would embrace, embrace anyone else, whether that be a relative, a cousin, a sibling, a friend, or whatever the case is. So um, breaking down the awkwardness of some of this type of stuff um, allows the conversations to be more positive than about what occurred to get us to the point that we are today. So if I could go in with my father and just have a conversation and find out more about him, that would be great. I'd love to do that. Like who wouldn't want to learn some stuff about some guy that was in the air force and who knows what he did or this or that, or whatever the case is. Right. right. 
But I think the barrier that's there is the fact that the willingness to address, um, embrace, and be accountable for the the part that got us here, that's where I'm stuck on. And I'm not sure, respectfully, if either one of us are ready to embrace that. Right? That's, I mean, it's hard to argue that. I, I, I understand that. And I, I understand that being the hang up. And I don't know, in, in my case, truthfully, obviously, I never met my father. And it was something I thought about a few times. And I truly never, I also never came up with an answer for what exactly I would have even said to him when and if I, I met him. You know what I mean? I, I That wasn't, I I never had an answer to that question either. Now, when when you talked to your to your mother for the very first time, and that was it was the same night you talked to your maternal siblings as well, and that was that was something that had been in the works, but it was probably unexpected that night. It was probably you weren't expecting for the phone to ring and hear from them that night. So, how did that conversation with your with your mother particularly go? What what did you say to her? Oh, uh, I, I conversation. I can't I can't recall what. I can't recall what I really said to any of them because um, my uh, my roommates wanted us to go to the bar, so they were bugging me. Um, I guess they really didn't grasp the uh, um, the level of uh, intensity that uh, I was being thrust into. But uh, um, <laughs> uh, I think we still ended up uh, making it. But um, the uh, um, I can't really recall. Um, I can't really recall the initial conversation or even conversations. And again, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have uh, email, like none of that type of stuff. So everything sort of happened over the phone. I do, I, I do recall this though, um, that uh, there still felt a distance between us. Like, who are you again? And why, you're encroaching on my space sort of feeling and you know um my boundaries were being broken and uh because there was this desire especially from mom but also from the other siblings to hey we found jimmy let's get let's get in there and let's let's get to know him and he's part of the crew and all this type of stuff they had the luxury (laughs) excuse me they had the luxury of each of them, now the three oldest had the luxury of being raised together, so there was no issues there. But the three older siblings that were put up for adoption ahead of me um, had already already met. So they, you know, the the gang was already together. So um, it was good, but. I was also I was I was also different like it was a different time a different age for me I was in a different space and so if I jump forward so so that was really tricky all of that was really tricky those conversations I couldn't even tell you what we talked about it was awkward <laughs> uh, hey how are you I don't know what to ask you like there, I, I did I did go I remember going through a period of disbelief um, of that this was happening, but then also who are these six people? And, you know, they're sort of um, trying to invade my space. And so um, fast forward, 
a few number of years later, a few years later, I decided to travel from Ontario to Alberta, where my birth mom was. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was on the national luge team, uh, was going to the Winter Olympics. So uh, I went out and uh, stayed with him, and he was practicing, and then headed off to Nagano. Um, and um, my uh, my birth mom was in a place called Turner Valley, which is just outside of Calgary, so probably about a 40-minute drive. So similar to similar to the time um, that gets imprinted on your mind, I can envision the day sitting in my apartment at university and the phone ringing. I can I can envision it. I can see where everything is laid out, all that type of stuff. So I'm in Calgary, and we're living up in the ranch lands in Calgary, which is sort of a, a, a corner, north, south, east, west. They sort of break, broke them off. It's a lot bigger now, different now. Uh, and she was coming over to drive over and meet me in person for the first time. So a flight of stairs, about eight or nine steps, coming up to the house. She pulls up to the house. I remember spending my time at the front window looking for her. She pulled up to the house. I walked down the steps, and we had talked a number of times on the phone. And I, th- I, I recall specifically her saying, oh, my baby, because I was always the baby, right? And I gave her a hug, and it was in that moment, as, as clear as day, that I gave her the hug, that everything connected, it was just, it was a, it was a very, it was, it was such a magical moment that everything connected and then it took away. Now we did have some conversations on the phone, but it took away all of that other, um, that dark space that sits in, at the front end of that. And I, it just, it allowed me to open myself up to a relationship with her and a relationship with the other siblings and so on and so forth. So it even ties in and we know this, you know, psychologically, we know this, the impact of physical touch and all those different types of things. But I remember that crystal clear as being the moment. It wasn't the phone call. It was meeting mom and feeling like, oh, okay, I'm part of this family. And truthfully, I felt like my round, uh, uh, my square peg was okay. I didn't have to fit in someone else's round hole. My square peg was fine because uh, I was part of a bunch of other square pegs, if that makes sense. Right. And it's, yeah. it really solidified because there was always that sort of space and time growing up where you sort of feel like you didn't connect. You didn't do this. You didn't all that type of stuff. Now, not some, some of your listeners are never going to have the opportunity to have that hug or whatever the case is. But once you get to that point where you get past that sort of, uh, Dark space sounds doesn't sound right. That that um, that 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 hurdle, that initial that initial hurdle, it is just it's it's freeing for the individual. Respectfully, has nothing to do with them. It just it just it makes the individual feel like they're they're there's a completeness. So, and again, I can't I can't speak. I can't speak for a lot of other stories. Your story, I know. I know my brother uh, growing up um, in my adoptive family. He he eventually did find his family, and it was sort of the similar same thing. Get over that initial hurdle, and once you once you make that connection, hey, you know we're all we're all part of a 
uh, a bigger picture here. But the the healing portion for the individual is so key. I feel bad for individuals. I, I know I know a woman right now who's adopted that has no interest in looking, and I'm just oh man, it's it's so cool, it's so neat. Like it just it explains things, it qualifies thought processes, uh, attitudes, mannerisms. Yeah. What what has she? said is her reason for not uh, not wanting to even look and find out i i i believe if i'm hearing what she's saying correctly i believe there's a high level of guilt um that uh, uh, uh that was there um that that combined um I think that combined with the fact that uh, the know-how, I don't think, was entirely there. She uh, she went on to get married um, uh, at one point, and that individual died. So she's been on her own for quite some time, and she has been involved. Uh, and she had she hasn't for the last number of years, just for health reasons. But she was involved in working with youth and and doing things. And she recalls being in, uh, I want to say, Penticton which is out in British Columbia, um, running a coffee shop where people could come in off the street and have a warm tea or whatever and homeless. And she saw this, she tells me the story. She saw this young man come in and she thought it was me and it was, but it wasn't. And just sort of, I believe she really much, very much had the desire, um, but didn't have the know-how. And then also the, uh, the, the guilt component to it. That's how I've I've read it, but I also understand that because I've you know I have a child out of wedlock as as well you know prior to meeting my wife and you know uh, when I was out west playing hockey and uh, you know it pops into your mind you feel guilty that you feel like you haven't played a role even though it was you know agreed upon and understandable and all those types of stuff so I I would say that that's that's probably where it. Um, where land the other interesting part of it too is uh with mom especially uh um, love her dearly but the relationship really came on heavy like we were trying to make up for 24 years lost and so that was that was challenging for me at at times um uh because i i, I wasn't the son she envisioned for 24 years i was the son she found at 24 years old and the experiences i was able to offer weren't the previous ones because i own those and my family owns those the experiences i was able to offer is whatever experiences we were going to have from that point on and i think that's an interesting thought process once people do this whether they've given up someone for adoption or whether they're finding someone or being embraced is working through that balance of the life before the life after and the life during and, and, and just the nuances of, of that type of thing. And I, I, I would believe there's a lot of people that don't want to find or are struggling to make the commitment to find or, or would love to find, but just don't know, can't take that step. Again, I, I mentioned earlier, both you and I had to sort of, we had to have the courage to, you know, step over that line in the sand. 
some people are really stuck on the other side of the line. And I think there's, there's some of those pieces that are involved with it. And then there's also anger and resentment from a child's perspective. I know respectfully with sisters that are older than me, there were seven kids and the, and three were, were given back. Why not four? Why not the fourth one? Why yeah. not the fifth one? You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I'm, I'm the baby. It doesn't matter what family I find. I'm always the baby. <laughs> right. But somebody that has to go through that process to say, Oh, you were put up for adoption, but I selected the three or why not two? Why not four? So there's all these sort of tough things that can eat away at individuals to try to process. Um, and, and it may be interesting as you talk to my sister, Tina, um, because she was the fourth um, in this situation. So it might be interesting to find out what that looks like and what that feels like. And I've Definitely. had conversations with her, but, you know, I'm excited to see what, what you two uh what you two chat about. So no doubt. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. Um, was there any resentment has, or I should say, has there been any resentment or anything that feels like resentment toward you at all? Or anyone kind of seemed to react like, uh, I'm not, why did he show up here? Uh, has there, has there been any of that whatsoever? There's been very little, you know, in my, in my situation, but, there has been a bit of that that I felt, you know, that wondered why, why did I show up? And and for me, it was probably just because of my father having passed away shortly and it was just weird for everybody. But um, I would not say. Well, you want to what there, there, there could have been. Looking back a little bit now, there could be a bit of that feeling that's there um, because I'm the baby uh, and um, uh, for the three oldest that that were raised, um, th- there could be some of that that's there um, and I'm not. Uh, you know, not, not individually or whatever the case is, but I know for, so as an example, my brother, my brother, Tom and I, he's the oldest and I'm the youngest. And, um, uh, you know, I've come in, I've come into the situation and, uh, the odd time I've felt like maybe there was some pushback that he wanted to make sure he carried the stage instead of me carrying the stage or whatever the case is, you know, so some of that sort of interesting, um, um, stuff is there. Flip side of the coin, my oldest sister Tammy. I, you know, that I walked her down the aisle at her wedding because her her dad had passed, right? Her dad wasn't. I think he's still alive, actually. But anyways, um, so there's there's the good and bad with it. Interestingly enough, and you know, and I'm I, I want to make sure I'm very respectful when I say this. My sister, um. On the paternal side, Susan has been very, uh, was very open right out of the gate. And so that was uh, my um, my brother, Andrew, um, seemed to have a little bit of reservations. And so there seems to be some reservations on that, um, on that side. 
Um, not not a lot. They've been great, um, but it, it it is interesting because I try to look at it through their lens as well. You know, the interesting thing is, uh, so I just recently told, we just recently told our boys about uh, my other son that's uh, that's out uh, out west. And my oldest, who's 21, said, um, well, I don't want him dipping into my inheritance as a joke, right? But when I heard that, I thought, man, there's probably some of that that's out there when some of these families meet and say, Oh well, what are your intentions? What are your uh, right? All that type of stuff, right? Because I yeah. don't, I don't care about any of the inheritances. My inheritance, respectfully, is in building the relationships and understanding what has, what makes me part of it. But there's, no, there's bad stories out there. Somebody flies in and say, "Hey, where's my cut?" or whatever the case is. So. It's it's a crazy world that way, but uh, uh, so I hope well, I answered your question there. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, in my family's case, there wasn't. I don't know that there's really much money. So yeah. So I, I, yeah. I don't think anyone was worried about me trying to take any inheritance because there wasn't any to take. And help you my, pay the my, debt. Off. They they want you to help pay the debt off at the back end. <laughs> maybe that. Yes. Maybe that. There is plenty of that. <laughs> well, you, you you've been at this point. It's been over twenty five years since you first mm-hmm. reconnected with your mother. So, I don't. I guess. I guess you you have the benefit of a a lot of perspective looking back on that. And, and I don't. I don't. I mean, where is the relationship now? How often do you do you talk and see each other? Yeah. So we connect. Um... We connect a bit. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not as as frequent. So I, you know, I think I think what's what happened was that it was sort of everybody was sort of in into it quite a bit, and then from there you just sort of um, uh, uh, talk with talk with some and don't talk with others. It's no different than in the family I was raised with. You know, I spent a lot of time and talked to my brother quite a bit. Uh, and then my oldest sister, and then subsequently at, you know, a couple times a year with the other sister. So that's of no disrespect to, it's just the way that it's playing out. So that, that has sort of played out a bit uh, this way as well. So luckily, well, Facebook is a bit of a curse too. Um like oh, man. don't <laughs> so, get me started. Well, the downside the downside of social media is this: is I can pop her an emoji quick with a big smile, or send her a a gif of a, a two hearts dancing, and that is supposed to be enough for our communication levels, right? where the reality is the effort should be made to call the effort should be made to get into person, all that type of stuff. And the unfortunate reality is I think social media has played. Uh, I, it, you know, I'm responsible. I have to be accountable and responsible. Um, but unfortunately social media has made it easier to check in once in a while instead of maintaining relationships some relationships that are that should be valued 
really valued. And, and I would say I'm, I'm guilty of that one side of it, especially with mom is not staying in touch with her more. I would, I would, I would be in touch with Michelle. I'm in touch with Michelle all the time. Um, and then it sort of worked its way out from there. So, um, definitely, definitely connected a lot more, uh, earlier on for sure. Um, uh, mom also lives uh, very close to Tom, the oldest child, and so there's a lot of care. So I know she's taken care of, and so I don't really worry about her as much. But in the same token, um, there's uh, there's times that you think, man, I should really. I, I think that no, more now that since my dad's passed, um, the communicator in our family growing up was always mom. Uh, and she was the one that we always got together and we had the dinners around like, you know, mom wants us all to get together and not that dad didn't, but that was just a bit lost. So now that they're both passed and this is not new to anybody, but you'd love to pick up the phone and just have a chat. So, uh, this is a subtle reminder, which I thank you, Nicholas, that I need to get in touch with her and say hi to her (laughs) and, uh, make it intentional. But there's just, there's, there's, there's challenges with it. Right. So, um, so, uh, to answer, to answer your question, uh, to not belabor it, um, it's, it's touch and go, but it is there. So. Did you have a chance to meet your maternal grandmother? I did. Yeah. So when we, uh, when we first met, uh, so I mentioned my interaction with my mom on the stairs and that sort of connection. And that was very positive. Um, uh, that, uh, that winter, uh, we drove out. So I drove with mom and so Calgary out to, uh, Penticton, uh, areas about eight hours. So we drove to Penticton to see, um, family. And that was really sort of the first time that I got together with a few of the siblings. I'd met my oldest brother, uh, prior. Um, so, uh, I did meet grandma when I was out there and, uh, uh, she came from Quebec. Uh, so her mom talked a lot in French and then my mom was from, uh, the province of Quebec and then, and then into Ontario. So, um, you will, you'll notice that there's a broken English, uh, component to it. So she was lovely lady, mom and her were living together. And then she, uh, she did end up passing, um, I think a couple years after, after meeting, um, I was able to actually meet, uh, I've met quite a few of my aunts and uncles on that side as well, too, which is very, was very interesting, um, on a few different, uh, occasions. So, so that was always neat and neat and, and, you know, positive experience, lots of learnings. So, um, it is amazing finding out and seeing how people grew up. Like we've got our, we've got our, internal connectors with individuals, but then our characters and some of those different types of things, the yearning and the learnings that have gone into play to get us to that point in time. uh, It's interesting as you, as you sit there and you think at certain times, wow, I really feel connected. And then there's other times you feel like, who are these people? It's it's, 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 it's It's a bit of a neat thing in the mind and you know i i may sound like i've i've given lots of thought process uh to this and um you know over the years i have but 
man, it's, uh, there's been a few, uh, um, therapist sessions along the way to help, you know, especially in the last number of years, you know, that sort of midlife time phrase and so on sitting down chatting some of this stuff through. Cause it's, it's, it's craziness. So, yeah. You know, that might be one takeaway to just put out there for anyone who's, I guess we'd say reluctant to speak to a professional. That is something that is beneficial. And yeah. just having an opportunity to, like you said, talk through a lot of those things and, you know, sometimes probably just kind of sit there and speak your mind, but say things that you might not necessarily have said out loud otherwise or thought about. And that's that's a process of, of working through some of the, the term, turmoil and dark times that we have. Yeah, I, I, I can agree more. It, uh, um you know, in the last uh, last number of years, I've taken the opportunity to do that for a variety of different reasons. Some things that happened uh, in my childhood and later in my uh, teens, and some of that type of stuff. It's funny. It's I say it's funny. It, it took me a while to get there, but the impact of abandonment and on on an individual's self worth that is just so huge. And it's um, you know I'm. Uh, I don't want to belittle the point to say that it's um, there. It's something that needs to be talked out, um, and that's really hard to do. Sometimes with a spouse, that's hard to do with. Um, it's hard to do with a adopted sibling. It's hard to do with a priest sometimes it's hard to do with a bartender. It's really hard to do with a bartender. <laughs> it's easy. sounds easy, but it sitting down with a professional that can, that can listen to your thoughts and listen to your words and pull information from you. I couldn't encourage it. If anyone listening has access to that and they're thinking, man, how do I navigate this? Uh, it's, it, I would definitely recommend it. So, um, 100%. So, I'm a different person today because I've taken the time to do that. I don't think if we talked two years ago, I don't think you would hear the same tone, the same dialect, the same. Uh, I don't think the conversation would be the same. So, that's saying a lot. Well, well, um, you've been very generous with your time uh, up to now, and I really appreciate it. And there's, there's plenty more to to talk about, but I, I guess I'd say for, for this segment, I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions yeah. and then, you know, hopefully you and I can get back on again. It, it might be, there, it might be a call with next time that you and I get on, it might be with someone else on the call as well. Yeah. But you, you and I will, will continue this conversation as well. I will. But, but I guess, I guess the last thing that I, I want to ask and, you know, let you, leave with the audience that after, you know, 25, I guess at this point, almost 30 years of, of having connected with, with your biological family and your maternal side, what would you say is, ha, has been for you the, just the overall impact and for those around you? And if you were to compare and contrast it to the time before that and say had this past 28 years not happened and you had just went through this life without ever having met them what would you say the impact 
has been and the difference would be? That's that's great. I would For me personally, I would say that if I if if I had never met them and I am where I am today, I would honestly feel that void. I believe I would still feel that void. Um I love my spouse. She's my best friend. I love my kids. Um uh, we have a we have a good life. Uh we're we're wealthy outside of money. Um so, but I believe, I believe there would just be that little piece, um, there'd be something missing. And so I would feel, um, I would feel that there. And unfortunately in the past, I tried to fill that void with, with things I shouldn't have, but I, th- I just think that that void would be there. Um, where I am today, because I've, because I cross that line in the sand and because others cross that line in the sand, um, I have to honestly say that I understand myself more um, as an individual and I've accepted my weaknesses better uh, because I've understood that the weaknesses and the strengths that I have as an individual are not based on anyone else than myself because I can understand the character and the influence um, maternally, paternally, uh, um, biologically, adoptively, how all of that has played into the character of me as an individual. If I didn't have the one side that would be really sort of tricky to understand that side of it. I, I, I remember as a kid, um, I would pick up mannerisms and, um, of, of my adoptive father. Now I picked up his work ethic and uh, like all these great things, a very good man, but the mannerism that drives me nuts is that I'll put my hand on my face. I'll sort of rest my hand on my face and it drives me nuts because it's not even com- comfortable. So, but I'll put my hand on my face with, and I know you can see me, unfortunately uh, the listeners can't, but I put my hand on my face with my two fingers sort of into my cheek and my thumb holding my chin up. And it's not comfortable, but that was something that my dad did all the time. Finding my birth family allowed created the opportunity for me to find different ways that are comfortable. And for me, it, it, it made it okay for me to be myself. I didn't have to pick up that mannerism. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping something comes out for your listeners because I was able to cut off some of those things that I thought I needed to be or needed to have. And I was allowed to embrace some other things when I met my family and it made sense. Um, and I was allowed to cut some things off from them as well to say, okay, you want to know what there's, there's, there's a wholeness. There's, there's a piece that's there. Um, I love both sides. I love all of them. If, if I was to get a call from the doctor and say, okay, you want to know what, unfortunately you got just a little bit of time. I would have a sense of peace with, even in respect of not yet talking to my birth father there, I would have a sense of peace at this time. I don't think I would have that, that same peace if I didn't find my biological family. 
And I don't think I would have that same piece if I didn't hold on to the character and some of the attributes and some of the things that were given to me as I was growing up. One of, one of the challenges um, um, that, or one of the fears that I would have for individuals that find their adoptive family would be to let go of everything that they had before. And the reality is that's, that's not entirely right because that's part of your makeup. That's your yearning that you're learning and all that type of stuff. So I'm glad I found, I'm glad I found the balance and I don't think I would have found the balance if I didn't find the family. Um, but I really have to, I really have to give a lot of credit uh, to my mom and dad and raise me um, and to give me some of the character that I, that I have. So I hope that, that helps solidify the answer. And if I went off the rails and cut this part out and we can start over. No, no, that was, that was, that was perfect. You, you, you said it all. And, you know, I guess I'd say for anyone who was, who was listening closely, you know, that was, that was huge. And I, I think that would probably kind of summarize what a lot of us are looking for, whether we even realize it or not. You know, you said a, a sense of wholeness and completeness, but when you're on your deathbed, you're thinking about if you were on your deathbed and having a sense of peace, because that's people come to the deathbed thought and think, well, what what did I not do? What was I supposed to have done? What am I missing? And to say that, you know, you have a sense of, of complete peace in all of in that portion of things kind of kind of says it all. Yeah, so. and and again, and I'm with with so much respect to your listeners and so many people that are out there. The unfortunate reality is, there's listeners that are going to search and won't find that piece, and that's on that's unfortunate. But I would say, with the hope of it, we you you can't get lost in yourself because I even I even recall prior to even ever hearing from them on the phone that first night when I was university about my I, I was developing a sense of peace and a sense of self as many of us would through through our teenage years and into, into our early 20s I was developing that so we can have that it's it's if we're if we get caught up or hung up for lack of better terms, on either side of it. Oh, my! I was raised by an adoptive family and it really didn't work out. Or my biological family didn't want me. If we, if we get caught in those spaces, then we're not going to have peace. The reality is all of these individuals made decisions that impacted and influenced our lives. I wouldn't have some of the core characteristics that I have if I wasn't adopted by this family. And they actually had to step over a line in the sand to be willing to allow someone else to come into their house and be treated as one of their own. And in the same token, mom had to give me up. She had to cross a really tough line and give up her kids. So once I, once we sort of understand those elements, that's, those are big commitments and those are big things. And once we understand those, these are individuals that have made some tough decisions. And quite frankly, as the adopted child or the child that was given up for adoption, whatever the case is, the decisions I make aren't as hard as those will never be as hard as those decisions. So embracing, embracing the idea that we can sort of let go of the hurts associated with either, either side of those and try to find that peace. I think for the listeners, no matter what side they're on, they could have found their family. They could be looking for their family. They may have no interest to find their family, finding that inner peace to sit there and say, this individual, these individuals gave me up and they must have had a reason and that was difficult. 
or it was a teenage mother that, uh, you know, my life is in a better place now because she wouldn't have been able to raise me or whatever the case is. Or like, again, there's so many different scenarios and I don't want to simplify it. But at the end of the day, that is, I think that's where we can find ourselves and we can start to build our character and where we can positively start to influence others within our home, within our communities, uh, to, to have that positive perspective. There's so many kids out there hurting that have an absent father, have an absent mother. There are so many kids out there that are feel disconnected because they're in, an, a, a, in a home where it's a square peg in a round hole. There, there can be peace at the end of this. There can be peace. It takes that individual now to cross the line and say, I'm not going to let my past, regardless of what side it comes from, hold me back and I'm going to be content with myself. And then these relationships, if they happen and when they happen, will be that much more positive. Amen. That's powerful. Um, Well, James, it's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, You have great perspective. I, I Greatly appreciate everything you've had to say. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate everything you've had to say. Much of it is impactful, and you, you, you clearly have great perspective at this point, and you're also one of the good ones. So that's clear. And well, I've been lucky. I, I, Thank you. So I, I just I appreciate you coming on, and uh, like I said, we'll we'll continue this conversation because there's there's it's so multi layered with with the rest of your family and we'll, we'll get all of their perspectives and have you back on as well. But um, in the meantime, again, thank you a million for coming on and I will talk to you again soon, my friend. Yeah, No, I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Yeah.